0: I went to a garden party with my good morning good morning good morning. Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners. This is Margaret Tharp and David Lendrum of Landscape Alaska.
1: And what a fine soft morning it is.
0: A fine soft morning. Once indeed. again. So soft it rolls off the top of my hat.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Okay. So it's Memorial Day weekend.
0: It is, and this is our call-in show, 586 You can be on the air and share your experiences, invite us to your garden, tell us about something beautiful you see blooming. Even if you're not in Juneau, if you may be a little bit out of town, we welcome you to the program.
1: Okay. Well, there's been a lot of chatter about how cold and wet it is and how slow... <coughs> how slow some of the perennials are that are coming up and the shrubbery. And Absolutely. I think we ought to have a conversation to start with that because it is kind of depressing. It's so cold and wet.
0: And so <laughs> many yards we've been in this spring already. The things that usually are up and unfolding are just barely poking out of the ground.
1: Well, I think that the long winter plays a big part of that. And I also think that we ought to – pay attention if this is how the climate is going to roll in the future I think a lot has to be done for slow release fertilizers in the soil so that when the winter is extended for a longer period they have enough nutrients to respond to being woken up when the weather gets better
0: I understand and agree completely
1: because cold soils require a different metabolic makeup in the fertilizers than what are commercially available. And that's something that David and I have been working with for a long time. And that's why we buy our fertilizers out of Canada, because uh, they specialize in cold, wet soils. We
0: have a line of fertilizer developed by the Canadians for reforestation and revegetation. And it's really intended for soils and climates like ours. So it's, it's... Uh, slow release characteristic is dependent on being only barely soluble rather than on the uh, the active soil temperature making the bacteria eat it up
1: right and we're down south it's warm and you have heat um, and not as much water as we do Uh, they have a faster releasing product that is nationwide sold Scots or whatever. You know. All those time
0: with these fertilizers. All, all that stuff. Like the tree stakes and jobs and all those things. All that yeah.
1: stuff. And they aren't very good here because our soils are too cold. They, the soils need to be above 45 degrees, and we're lucky if we get to 45 degrees.
0: Absolutely. So we were at somebody's house, and she was afraid that her hostas were all dead. You know, because...
1: Well, they did look kind of frozen in time. Hey,
0: look, you could <laughs> just barely see them poking up out of the ground. But they were. They're coming. I think i think it will come. I think they're just really, really slow.
1: Isn't there a – well, you know, you drive along the road and just see these salmon berries have leaves, these don't. These have it, these don't, you know, or, or – uh, alders or willows or any of the native vegetation here are we've talked about how small the skunk cabbage are this year you know Uh, the blueberries don't seem to have been affected at all it's like they're like woohoo I'm thrilled with this weather but there are things that are the in the native landscape that um, were hit by the weather also so that's a real indication that introduced things from place to place may have a harder time and not to feel like you did anything wrong
0: I was looking at a collection of uh, oh, barberries and currants and uh, roses this last week and that's exactly right spotty vegetation emergence, some leaves on some branches none on in, on the ends of things so uh, it's going to be a whole bunch of springtime dead tip. Pruning.
1: Pruning, lots of pruning. So this is a call-in show. If you want to call in and share with us any of your experience in this wonderful gardening weather, give us a call at...
0: 586-1800. And what do you have that's late? What do you have that you're worried about? Or what do you have
1: that's that's thriving, you know? So I find that one of the reasons why we protect things or historically have protected things by putting them under cold frames and things like that for winter storage is to keep them drier. They, they don't wanna be as wet as our weather makes them. They rot.
0: Mm-hmm. And lots of things. Oh, good morning, Conversations.
1: Yes, I gotta buy pot of soil. So the soil they have locally, you know, like at Fred Meyers, Costco. Yes. It?
0: Say it again, is that what?
1: Uh, pot of soil.
0: Potting soil, yes? So, so potting, it's
1: okay.
0: Yeah, it's okay. Potting soil is mostly peat moss and bark with a, a little bit of perlite in it. And some and some have fertilizers and some don't. What we find for most... I'll, I'll tell you the rest on the air, okay?
1: Okay, thank
0: you. Okay, and what we do often is we take that potting soil and cut it with bark. Fine bark. Well, Yeah, not big bark nuggets. Yeah. But uh, cut it with bark and that allows better drainage
1: right the thing with soils is you want different particle sizes i mean it doesn't matter what different particle sizes as long as there are different particle sizes and you have from the fine up to the medium even up to a few large pieces and 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 uh sometimes when we're in people's people's yard and they don't have hardly any soil and they have but they have some real fine gravel we'll use gravel mixed with plenty of organic nutrient that gives really good drainage, and uh, depending on what you're planting, hardy, uh, you know, bleeding hearts and vigorous kinds of perennials like that love that stuff.
0: That's so. right, and the, even up to the size of gravel that they use for the winter snow control, winter ice control, sweepings. Yep, sweepings and the uh, the pea gravel that we use, we dig that into the soil. Uh, we we make. Uh, lawn repair soil out of gravel that size and sand and peat moss and manure. And that will allow it to settle into places. You can pack it down that way. And it's still going to drain well enough. And the grass seeds, the roots for the grass are going to bind that stuff together real quickly. You can't imagine that the whole big wild world out there is rock free.
1: Well, and it's not going to be for growing tomatoes or having lettuce or any of those finer seasonal kinds of vegetable plantings but for lawn which with grass seed and especially for repair um, the firmer you can make it and still have it drain the better it is because patching things is difficult
0: always always it is and you want to make sure that when you put it down this grass seeds have to be in contact with dirt you can't just sprinkle grass seed out there on top of your lawn and expect it to thicken up has to actually be in contact with the soil so you give it a vigorous raking first before you put new grass seed on it and then in the areas like mark was talking about where you patch it so you put the patching material down you put some grass seed on top of that and then you put something else on top of the grass seed.
1: you know it's like when the snow plow catches the edge of your lawn and peels up a whole big strip of it but you still want to have lawn there then you have to have the right kind of soil to marry back to the original lawn to make it work mm-hmm. anyway it's all a challenge but you can do yep. it
0: it's all a challenge and this is a uh, the holiday weekend so our favorite hardware store and tool store tyler's closed for the weekend it's closed for the holiday good for you guys take a few days off you really deserve it and uh, if you're ever looking around for that kind of equipment and maintenance and health health and safety equipment all those things tyler is the go-to place so uh it's The rhododendrons are just starting to open at Landscape Alaska, and they're beautiful, absolutely beautiful, and there are some varieties there that just have to be seen to be believed.
1: We planted a a huge rhododendron the other day. I mean, I bet you that rhododendron was six feet across. Oh, yeah, six feet across and six feet tall. When we had to lay it down in order to get the pot off of it, And the other thing is when rhododendrons are growing in their soil, not in a planting mix like nurseries have, but they're dug out in the field and they kind of have this heavy clay soil, that soil clings to the side of the heavy pot. So you usually have to cut the pot off with a pair of big loppers and open up half of the pot so you can lift the plant mass with the roots out with a flat shovel.
0: Rather than just trying to pull it up straight up out of the pot, because I know what you mean. Because often
1: it leaves the soil behind and then you have this bare-rooted rhododendron and that's a very bad combination.
0: Uh-huh. And when they have rhododendrons that are field potted <sighs> like that and they are in real soil, once you get them in the ground, you have to make sure to keep them well watered for that first summer. Because the whole root system is contained in that can. It's not like they're going to instantly grow out into the surrounding soil. It's going to take them a whole season to do that.
1: And a lot of people think that because it's raining like it is now, that they don't need to water their rhododendrons. But when you really look at a rhododendron, the leaves act like an umbrella over where the active root mass is. And so a newly planted rhododendron definitely needs to be watered. And to say you water it, hmm twice or three times a week, slowly and deeply, that's really what you wanna do.
0: And so when you plant it, you make sure that your water basin is not at the edge of your excavated hole, but it's at the edge of the root ball, because that's where you need the water directed to.
1: People don't even know what a water basin is, Dave. You're so old school that they don't have any idea what you're even talking about.
0: Well, anybody that wants to know, you come up and talk to me and I'll show you what it is. Because it makes all the difference in the world. It makes
1: all the difference in the world. It directs the water down into the hole instead of letting it spread out all over the top like water spilt on a counter.
0: That's right. And you think about how much water it takes falling out of the sky to give a half an inch of rain a day. It's a lot of water. But those rhododendrons in their cans were getting uh, two inches of water a day in their can so there's still like that root system needs quite a bit of moisture okay good morning conversations
1: uh good morning uh as well as long as we're talking about rhododendrons
0: you told me last year that i should get some nematodes for my rhododendrons oh but thank you know for opening to the topic how to do them. i'll tell you on the air okay okay great Okay, so if you look at your rhododendron leaves and the edges of them are kind of serrated, like bites have been taken out of the edge of the rhododendron leaves that are kind of elongated, that's the indication of a r- adult beetle, a root weevil, that's feeding on it. And that's your
1: clue. It's a very distinctive bite.
0: It truly it's is. It's a
1: real, like a punch. Like somebody took a hole punch and punched it a, a hole along the edge of your leaf.
0: Mm-hmm. Some of them are round and some of them are slightly oval, but it's right at the very outside margin of the leaf. And if that's the case, that means that there's a particular insect and that And that's tells that
1: you. black beetle that you often see out in your garden with the hard crusty top big that's right. And a thing. funny looking nose to it. Long pointy funny well, looking I've nose. I've gotten that close but I believe you.
0: Okay and there are about six species of beetles that are in the same family that do that. So that's the indication that the adult is feeding on the leaves. And they do that at night. You don't often see them on the bush because they don't come out when it's light. They come out when it's dark and do that. And they get you know they get wired up into great big plants. They scurry out to the ends and, and punch away. But the uh, indication then is that the larvae are in the ground and they are eating the root system and that's what you really want to avoid and that's what the nematodes are for and nematodes are infinitesimally tiny little creatures that that, that uh,
1: naturally exist here
0: oh yeah they're they're natural in this soil they're just not in large enough concentration to defend the plants in this soil so we buy them from laboratories that raise them by the billions and trillions of uh, a half a teaspoon dose of the nematode, which is what we usually sell.
1: And mix it in water.
0: contains 500 million nematodes. Mm-hmm. And you mix, mix that half teaspoon dose in water and pour it around the base of your rhododendron. And a rhododendron that's three feet by three feet and three feet tall, take about three doses of this stuff. And you do that for two or three years. And that builds the population up and it attacks those... Those uh, root weevil larvae, and pretty soon you don't have to, have to worry about them anymore.
1: Well, right. And the root weevil larvae don't just attack rhododendrons. They oh, kill true. trees, They especially fir trees and uh, different types of spruce trees. And viburnums. And viburnums. And then so if you and have... And also
0: those kind of primroses.
1: If you have... Uh, some trees that are looking bad and you can tell they're dying there's a not necessarily has to be root weevil but then if you see an indication in your rhododendron that you they, you can't tell on the trees other than they're s- losing their needles and t- changing color but on the rhododendron you can see the evidence then you know that you have them in the ground and treating them is the smart way to go if you plan on having those kinds of plants around that the root weevil wants to live off of
0: And those little mat-forming primroses are something that are a real indicator also. The ones that bloom real early and make the bright purple with the yellow center and the bright pink with the yellow center, lots of times those get chewed around their margins too, and you look at it and think, well, those are funny-looking slug bites, but they're not. They're weevil munchings. Okay. Okay, and next month will be the time to start putting the, the, the nematodes out because they'll be active then.
1: And you'll be getting them?
0: I'll be getting them, and I'll be advertising that I'll be getting them. But if you are interested in that, and you have any, even any questions about it, send us an email, send us a couple of photos of your, of your leaves so we can look at them and maybe give you some advice on it. That'll put you on our list to be contacted when the nematodes arrive.
1: And the, the website is?
0: Mm, LandscapeAlaska at gmail.com, or LandscapeAlaska.com. will get you to our website, and you can contact us through that. Great. Okay, so uh, there's a lot of people now that are going to want to buy greenhouses. We hear it every day. hear people talking about, I want to put up a greenhouse. I want to do a cold frame. And
1: one of the things I want to say about that is that that, uh, people don't realize that even though they build a greenhouse, they want to put additional interior bracing in it for the heavy snows and ice that build up in the wintertime
0: like for this last winter
1: right all of our greenhouses have additional support supporting the hoops uh and to help manage the weight on the greenhouse material itself in the wintertime because there's so much snow you can't always get in there to, to to uh I mean, we have big rakes and everything. We're scraping snow off of our greenhouses. And a lot of times, greenhouses are built so that the snow slides off on its own if the weather's right and builds up along the sides. But even so, you want to have additional s- support inside your greenhouses.
0: This last winter, the snow that's, that we raked off the tops of the greenhouses got so high against the sides of the greenhouses that the next layer of snow that fell on top of them, there was no place to put it. So uh, glad we had that bracing inside. Absolutely. And the other thing to think about greenhouses is that with our summer temperatures as they are and the high humidity, you really need to have ventilation.
1: Really in, good ventilation. More than just a little fan at the back with a cracked door in the front.
0: Right, so so what we found is having the uh, the sides of the greenhouses be able to open from the bottom all along the length of the greenhouse really makes a world of difference
1: roll it up and roll it down using bungee cords
0: Uh so and also uh, if you're looking to purchase a greenhouse that will be funded by the natural resources conservation service and if you're interested in that make sure to get in touch with me then you have to get them that meet certain criteria and Uh, There are several companies that specialize in doing that and specialize in sending those kinds of greenhouses to Alaska. And there are thousands of greenhouses in Alaska that have met this program's criteria. So it's it's a real interesting thing.
1: And the other thing is the type of plastic you buy makes a big difference. You can't just go get...
0: Construction-grade polyethylene?
1: Yeah. You have to really buy greenhouse plastic so it doesn't degrade and break apart in the sunlight.
0: Even that kind of Polyethylene that has what looks like dental floss sewed into it will degrade in just a couple seasons because the ultraviolet light causes the polyethylene to get brittle and crack apart unless it's something that's specially formulated to resist that. And we have polyethylene on our greenhouses that's been up for five or six years and still plenty flexible and, right. and, and no trouble on it.
1: And we also use a white poly over the clear poly as a way to manage water control. By not letting my, our greenhouse get so hot in the summertime that uh, we have to have a mechanized water system. Since we're out on the job so much, we try to have a more passive application that works really well. So if you are interested in all these things, um, Dave's available. You can drop and see him at the nursery and send him questions on our website.
0: Oh, yeah, we're usually closed on Mondays. We're going to be open this this holiday weekend on Monday also. So we'll be open from 10 till 4 this afternoon, from noon to 4 on Sunday, and from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock on Monday. And uh, we are on the Back Loop Road. If you have any problem finding us, since we don't have a sign by the road edge, you can look for our little open sign. You can check on our website. There's a map that shows it and a picture of our driveway. We're between Goat Hill Road and Springway on the Back Loop Road, up a very steep driveway. You look up at the top of the driveway, you see our big Landscape Alaska banner. Let's talk about some other things we do to protect perennials in pots and ones that particularly want them over the winter time. The reason I bring this up is I was looking at the Louisias that you overwintered under the cold frame.
1: They were so happy.
0: They were so happy, and they're so big and shiny. And so they're, uh, Lewisia is a really, really exciting and beautiful flowering plant that has petals that are shiny like a tulip petal and, uh, all kinds of kind of day glow colors. And between, they form a top like a pineapple kind of top. So it's a, a bunch of little leaves coming out of a core. With and between every set of leaves, they set out a flower Scads sock. and scads of flowers. So many flowers. And uh, if you want to drop by and look at them, you can see the ones that Margaret protected over the winter. We have ones that have arrived this spring also, but the ones that came through the wintertime undercover just look marvelous.
1: And th- this is a perfect example of, you know, people think, oh, plants, plants can't take it so cold, and so they die. But it's not really the cold. It's that it's so wet. They really can't take the wet and the freezing and thawing, that's one thing, although mostly that just froze this year, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the wet is what really knocks things back. And a Luisi is a perfect example of something that likes it dry through the winter time, enough moisture in the air that it's perfectly happy being undercover and uh, just got all butted up and ready to go to town.
0: Yep, and there's nothing wrong with you know having some things that you really, really like. Protected over the wintertime. You know, people could protect their fuchsias, they protect their begonias. There's no reason not to protect some really beautiful outdoor perennials too. Things that you can have in pots on your deck and enjoy the flowers well, all summer long. isn't
1: that how bell jars were were invented years ago? Cloche. Hmm?
0: That's right. French market gardeners made, had big glass bells that they put over the vegetables early in the springtime. Right. To both to concentrate it. the heat in the ground and also to protect it from over moisture. Mm-hmm. And from rotting away, of course.
1: Yes, rotting. We know all about we rotting. We all
0: know all about rotting. Okay, we're gonna be planting up quickfire uh, quick fire hydrangeas today that came in bare root, so they'll be available in another couple of weeks. And we've been planting up
1: Bleeding Hearts. Bleeding
0: Hearts that just came in, and they'll also be available in a couple weeks. That's right. For those people that pre-ordered the Bleeding Hearts, they're in town now. They're not up out of the ground yet. So give them a couple weeks, and uh, be sure to contact me if you want to get on the list for them. There's a a finite number. They are giant roots. They'll make big, healthy plants. But it's not infinite. Okay, so I'll be at Landscape Alaska today from uh, 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And come on up and see us and look at the rhododendrons. The best time to plant rhododendrons is when they're in bloom. And now they're just starting to flower. So come on up and we'll see you there. And until next week, this has been Margaret Tharp and David Lendrum of Landscape Alaska.
1: And everyone have a safe Memorial Day weekend.
0: Absolutely. And we're wishing you all happy gardening.